You're listening to Policy, Guns and Money, the Aspie podcast. I'm David Rowe. In a special episode this week, Aspie's Director of Defence, Beck Shrimpton, speaks to Australia's Defence Space Commander, Air Vice Marshal Catherine Roberts, and Assistant Secretary of Strategic Plans in Defence Space Command, Jacinta Carroll. Our guests detail the importance of the space domain and offer an update on the Defence Strategic Review and the role of space in Defence's integrated and focused force. They also discuss Defence Space Command's joint commercial operations announcement, as well as the role that industry plays in space in Australia and abroad. Very pleased today to be joined by some some special guests and uh, we're talking space, which is, of course, a really important topic, always an important topic, but receiving very worthy heightened attention at the moment, both in in defence, in civil and in commercial communities. But I'm lucky enough today to have Air Vice Marshal Catherine Roberts. She is the inaugural Defence Space Commander. Wonderful to have uh, that position established in January 22. A real uh, revolution, really, for Australian defence. A really important step and superb to have a woman leader and one with such amazing credibility as you bring to this role your experience in Air Force, your engineering background and, of course, your pathfinding work as a, as a woman leader through defence uh, brings so much to this position. So wonderful to have you here, Air Vice Marshal Roberts. Thank you, Beck. And Jacinta Carroll, back to defence after a, a bit of time out in the in the more academic and the think tank community. Um, you've had a very long contribution yourself to the strategic debate. I'm personally really happy to see you in Space Command uh, as Assistant Secretary Space Strategic Plans. So uh, wonderful to have you involved in this conversation today too. Thanks very much, Becca. Wonderful to be working with you again. Excellent. Thank you. So what I thought we might start with today is a bit of an update on where we are or where you are with Defence Space Command. The DSR obviously considerably elevated the conversation on space, a really key part of the force, the integrated and focused force, not just an enabler, as many have thought of space before, an enabler and a joint and a warfighting domain in its own right, which is really important to understand. Can you talk about the priorities that you're looking at in Defence Space Command now, and particularly the role of Space Command in the Integrated Force. Thanks, Beck. I'll, I'll start with, um, you know, the DSR. And, and I think, as you said, really, really important um, to actually make sure that we understand that, that space is an operational domain. It is the, uh, the largest domain as well, too, because essentially it extends from 100 kilometres above the Earth all the way out to the expanse of space. Although we are focused um, on Earth as it currently uh, as it currently stands. And space is just so critical for ADF operations. Every ADF operation uh, relies on space, both here and abroad. And I think the civil society relies extensively on space. So we need to be able to assure our access. And, and that's what Space Command is about, assuring Australia's access to space. Um, in terms of the priorities uh, for the command, the first thing that we have to do is have people. And um, without people and space professionals, we won't have a capability. So our top priority is about 
building the workforce, building, training, exercising the workforce so that we can do the operations that are necessary to assure our access to space. So we are spending a lot of time working out what a space professional is, how to grow them and how to train the people that we currently have. So we're converting at the moment, we're converting ADF members to be space professionals. We have a few um, dedicated professionals, but we're turning our tank drivers to be our space professionals. And uh, I think that's just an amazing thing that we've been able to do. The second priority is around what the space capability looks like to support our operations. So in that context, we have to make sure that we have a resilient architecture. What that means is having um, an architecture in space and on the ground that is proliferated and in multiple orbits and in a lot of different locations terrestrially so that we can continue to have access to space. It acts as a form of deterrence as well too because essentially um, what we can do is, is with that proliferated architecture in low Earth orbit, medium Earth orbit um, and in geostationary orbit and links between those orbits and then multiple stations on the ground, it's very difficult to just target one asset and take out the network. You'll still get your communications. You'll still get your position, navigation and timing. You'll still get your signals, intelligence, etc. So, you know, we're looking at making sure that that architecture is resilient. But we're not doing that alone. We are doing that with our international partners and with commercial industry as well too. So it's nothing that we can do just by ourselves. Space is global. And the third priority is around our operations. In the Two major exercises this year, we've done some, um, you know, we've really learnt a lot about how to make sure that the other domains are supported and that we're also making sure that we understand what's happening in space and how that might affect the joint force operations. So a big achievement there and a lot of operations and more to come. Um, and also commercial operations that we do with other countries um, about space domain awareness. So really training our operators to know what it's like to be, you know, in, in a fight, uh, essentially. And the last priority is really around working with our international partners and industry. Yeah. So we spend a lot of effort working through um, with our international partners. We work very closely with the US in, in particular, but also with the UK. We had our first space engagement talks uh, this year because it's with those partnerships and with our industry partnerships that we're going to be able to achieve the capability that we need to. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a global game and we're very much part of that. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you for that uh, comprehensive introduction. You touched on some really interesting things there and and can we talk a a little bit more about the DSR? It has mentioned, of course, the need for speed and the requirement for us to access capability quickly due to the reduced warning time and the need for us to to really enhance uh, our capabilities. How is Space Command going after that from both a global perspective but also, and importantly, from an Australian industry perspective? From a global perspective, I think everyone recognises the need for speed and we are working really closely with our international partners to, to make sure that we understand what they're doing um, and, uh, and we can contribute to architectures. So rather than us actually designing and building and testing things ourselves, we're trying to be part of that broader resilient architecture that is being put up that we can share with other key allies and partners. So the need for speed means that we need to get after capabilities that exist today. 
Now, that's tricky in terms of the sovereign element of that because if they've got something that we can use today, then that's great. If they don't, then we're going to have to look at our international partners. But that doesn't mean that we're not working with uh, Australian industry. That's really interesting and I and I do think you point to an important opportunity for Australian industry to shape the future and you remind me again of a uh, when we held a, a space masterclass just last year, I think it was, where um, somewhat surprisingly one of the, the generals that we had there said, don't just buy all of our stuff. I mean, there is, there is interoperability requirements and we do want to have a lot of commonality but we get strength from difference and we complicate the picture both from a deterrence perspective if we have slightly different capabilities and if you're bringing some some really interesting technologies and some new and novel ways of of doing things plus they acknowledge that they didn't always get everything right um, so what a great opportunity to to sort of leverage the best in class but also really think about what we can bring as a nation as we build out that idea of resilience and the complexity in space capability in the space domain. And I would say, Beck, you know, that's a really key point but remembering there's a global market out yes. there. Always remember Absolutely. there's a global market and yep. anything that defence needs, commercial need as well. So um, It has so to be commercially viable. It, it yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They've got to have these markets out there and, and they've got to get to them. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And the demand for, for those things that are, you know, uniquely from Australia but can be so applicable in that global marketplace yeah. that you talked about. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yep. exciting stuff. Just into perhaps I might, I might ask uh, for, for your perspective on some of this. The geography of space is just fascinating. As you said, it, it really begins at about 100 kilometres above our heads. And, you know, often when we traditionally think about military domains and we think about distance, uh, we fail to appreciate just how close space is, yet how enormously expansive it is too and I know that we've heard uh, others particularly from US Space Force talk about how they've got the biggest AOR mm. of any <laughs> combatant command um, and everyone thinks Indo-PACOM's huge well you know the Space Command's got the, got the biggest AOR um, which does really point to how inherently uh, international um, spaces as an endeavour, how inherently national it is and and Air Vice Marshal Roberts, you did talk about how those partnerships are, are industrial, they're, they're civil, they're commercial but you know also at that national level they're critically important. Maybe you can expand a little bit on that and perhaps talk to uh, a reasonably new, in fact only a couple of days ago, an announcement about a, a new collaboration um, that's going on, that the Joint Commercial Operations Announcement, um, which has both an international uh, or a government link as well as a commercial link to it. Could you talk a little bit more about that one? Yeah, thanks, Beck. Look, that's a wonderful articulation of the unusual environment that the space domain presents. Um, I'd say that unique amongst um, other parts of the military way of seeing the world, um, perhaps joined, joined by cyber, um, space is something that is international by, by design. Mm -hmm for us to look at as a domain. Uh, we often talk about space being congested and contested. The flip side of that is it's a place where we, we all are. Yeah. Uh, military, um, civil, commercial, scientific research. Yeah. So that presents quite an unusual um, environment for, for defence to be involved in. And as we progress this, it's one where we don't have just one patch of dirt, 
um, a, a terrestrial focus that is our own sovereign space, um, maritime operations and others. This is everything around the globe and we must be working together with each other. So quite a fascinating prospect for us. Um, from a defence perspective, as, as Air Vice Marshal Roberts has just mentioned, what we've ensured that we do is make defence focus on this domain um, with a particular clarity, not just a, a place where we operate some capabilities, where we might be buying some data from, from other operators, but one where we are, we are specialists ourselves. Yep. In developing our workforce, we talk about that as space-mindedness. Yep. It's not just capabilities, it's something that we have a shared responsibility for. You've mentioned joint commercial operations. In recognising the inherently joint and international nature of space, um, we, we kind of have to picture the globe. Yeah. What's going on as our globe, uh, our Earth rotates, mm -hmm. um, all of the space-based parts of the capability that we're talking about are in their various orbits that Air Vice Marshal Roberts has talked about. How do we make sure that we've got a continuous eye, if you like, that's looking over everything that's going on, ensuring that there, there are no inadvertent collisions, um, that we're aware of when there might be space debris, that we're aware of launches, and also that we've got some redundancy and yep. resilience yep. built in. So this, this operational initiative is one, um, again, US-led, and they are the leaders in, in this field, have looked to commercial providers as a partnership how do we make sure that we're all together understanding what this environment looks like and that we're each able to bring our specialisations, our capabilities to that? Defence is just one small part of it, but we want to make sure that from, from the very start, again, working with our military partners around the world, that we're playing a very useful role, yeah. that the capabilities that we have to be able to see what's going on, yep. um, to be able to assist, are ones that we do in lockstep with others. Air Vice Marshal Roberts mentioned some of our exercises and, and initiatives. We have a lot built in by design mm -hmm. to the work that we do, where we sit down with industry partners three times a year, consciously we do that, where we sit down and talk with them about how we would run our exercises, what our visibility is, and they share with us the same. What capabilities do they, do they have? What are they seeing with us? Yeah. Could I just add a little bit on, on the joint commercial operations? I think, you know, this really takes the, uh, takes the advantages of the globe. So what we do um, in the joint commercial operations is uh, essentially we take turns when we're awake. Right. Um, yep. So, you know, in following the sun around the globe. So yes. there is a shift that happens in America. There is a shift that happens in the Meridian. UK already have uh, a part of this, uh, this concept of the joint commercial operations as well too. And then we take our shift in Australia. So we only have to be awake during the daytime, <laughs> which, is, which is absolutely fantastic. And it means that you've got, you know, 24-7 coverage of what is going on in space yeah. at an unclassified level. Yeah. So we can share that information with anyone. Now, classification is always a bit of a problem in defence, but this will allow us to share what's going on in space and to actually, you know, use our people to contribute to that organisation. What I would say is that the US are doing all the heavy lifting on this, but it does also offer an opportunity for Australian industry to sell their space domain awareness data, to be part of this global marketplace yes. and to have that 24-7 you know, coverage, yep. which is which is just absolutely fantastic and, and a capability that, you know, we are simply providing people in the majority, people too, yeah. and getting this access to information about what's going on in space. 
Yeah, thank you for that because that's um, it really helps uh, our listeners to to visualise what that kind of uh, concept and that um, that collaboration actually looks like and that follow the sun. Um, it's it's a really nice way to think about uh, think about how space operations work and that and that I don't want to call it burden sharing, but the responsibilities how they how they shift between various nations, which involves a, a level of, of trust, of course. Um, I want to come back to your uh, something that you said a little bit earlier around uh, resilient space architecture, but also that you really connected space to Earth. What's happening on Earth to enabling uh, really good visibility? This has intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance. Um, you know, for for military purposes, it's absolutely critical. I'm constantly surprised by how few people, even in often uh, military or the national security community, really appreciate how integral space is to the modern way of war and the difference that it has made to the precision of warfare and the ability to be more uh, more efficient and more effective in our warfighting capabilities. So it's really quite it's really quite interesting. But you also talked about that ground dimension and Australia's traditionally been very strong in the ground segment but not all observation of the earth happens from Leo, Mio or GSO. Uh, you know a lot of this is you know it's that connection between space and earth um, and again the connection between governments, uh, the commercial sector etc. Um, resilient space is a concept that is you know very mature in the US. Their relationship with industry is uh, you know, long-standing, uh, well-practiced, and quite trusted. Can you talk about how you think this is this is going in Australia, and uh, and how how we're making progress on on that concept? Noting how important resilience is, um, and again, our commercial sector is really trying to rise to the challenge and be a terrific partner for defence. Can I just get your views on on how that's that's going, and and potentially where your future focus is? So I think, um, as I mentioned, the, the resilience. Uh, for space involves the architecture in space and the architecture on the ground. So, you know, Australia has a unique geographical advantage in terms of, of, of what we can see in space. So, you know, there is a lot of terrestrial-based capabilities that, you know, for space domain awareness, we can see really well over the Indo-Pacific region, a region of great interest to us, based on our geography. So we're looking at what's going on in a really important region. So Australia's, you know, that provides part of the resilience. It also helps in the resilience of the United States. Yeah. You know, two of the capabilities that we operate from Harold E. Holt yes. are, are joint with the United States. So mm-hmm. the C-band radar and the Space Surveillance Telescope feed into the Space Surveillance Network that is huge. So so Australia forms a node in that resilience to be able to see what is happening in our region. We also form a node in terms of ground stations and being able to anchor information that's coming from space and feed that directly into our operations. So again, from a regional perspective, if you're talking about what's happening from an ISR perspective in the network, that can be fed directly into Australia. So we have to have the ground infrastructure to be able to pass that information through as well too. And the same goes for communications as well. 
But it's not just us that relies on that. Australia has a great advantage from um, from the point of view of uh, of the civil of civil community as well too. So you know, from everything from research to be able to look at climate change and what's happening yes. in terms of yeah. um, you know bushfires, Absolutely. you know, having those capabilities, having that resilient architecture that can be dual use yes. as well too is something that is in my mind in terms of where we go in the future capabilities, because yeah, having a defence use is 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 part of the solution but often you can use these capabilities dual and that will really help I think Australia in the broader context by having a resilient architecture that's terrestrial in space and also being used by both defence and civil society. And I think one of the the really nice things that you just touched upon or you made me think of is that's a really two-way thing right that is not only defence drawing on and uh, and and using the capabilities inherent in the commercial and civil sector, which are important and often efficient and different, but defence is also feeding back to those communities in in some really important ways, uh, as as you've described. So that's um that's really uh, an important relationship, and I don't think it's often understood as a as that very important two way two way relationship. Jacinta, I wonder if you might talk a little bit more about Australian advantages. I know we have challenges with people, but I think the way that the Advice Marshal talked about how you're repurposing, if you like, um, skills from across the ADF shows a certain agility within the ADF itself, but also a nice a nice vision from Space Command about how you welcome skills and how you are how you turn them into space space capability. From a defence and a military perspective, can you talk a little bit more about our advantages, maybe from a, from a capability sense? We have talked about geography. One thing we haven't talked about, and, and I guess it does speak a little bit to resilient space and to, to assistance to the US as well, is our interesting position for, for launch. And I think um, probably important for us to think about, again, what the commercial sector might bring and help defence do in that space as well as what defence might want to do on its own, but a little bit more on our on our advantages, uh, particularly being where we are and the kinds of relationships that we have in our region. Yeah, thanks, Beck. It's a it's a great question. One of the fascinating things about Australia, once you start looking at space, is just how long this country has yeah. been in the game. We've been involved, sometimes very quietly, sometimes in the background, as as is the nature of this type of activity. But Australia has been part of many of the great innovations and developments in the science, yeah. in the industrial base, and also in military use, utilising all elements of, of space. One of the interesting things in looking at that relationship between defence's interest in space and what's happening in Australia. And and some of your listeners mightn't be aware, but when the Australian Space Agency was established only five years ago, part of the reason, um, as stated by the government at the time, was that there was such a vibrant, nascent space industry already underway in Australia and kicking goals. In addition to that, we have an extraordinary research base across many of our our um, research-based universities, and these are leading in the world. So Defence's involvement, there's a, there's a range of capabilities. Air Vice Marshal Roberts has mentioned, mentioned some of those. But we're also very much on the ground with researchers, 
collaborating through the Defence Space and Technology Group, working with CSIRO and working with our industry partners. Very recently, for example, we had uh, personnel seconded with two of our very innovative and well-known space companies. They were short secondments of defence personnel so that we could share our own perspectives, we could learn from industry, industry could learn from us, and it's very much an equal, an equal footing. You talked about uh, launch bases and others. There are so many natural advantages that Australia has. The um, launch pads that are being looked at in northern Australia or do exist in in northern Australia, uh, a range of facilities being considered in other states, including South Australia. Industry is looking to a broad base. There is a, a commercial environment out there. There is demand for these types of things, particularly being close to the equator for LEO, um, so for, for a range of things. From a defence perspective, we will seek to use whatever is in Australia if it presents something that is a unique capability. Yeah. The Defence Strategic Review was very clear that the focus for defence at this time is to make sure that we're doing the best things for defence building the capability that is needed, that is timely, that is effective, will work well with others, and also utilising those excellent relationships we have globally uh, with our international partners and with other industry. Again, as the commander has said, that means that there's a growing uh, and and great opportunity for Australian industry as well to be part of that global story. Um, Defence will always be a part of that, but there's there's a bigger story as well. Yeah, that's right. There are, um, as you said, so many opportunities to leverage space into regional relationships. Space itself is is opening up as a domain to, to a range of different nations that haven't been involved before and Australia really has, has so much to offer from that really long legacy of experience operating in space and operating with global powers as well as being a, you know, a, a significant player ourselves but also, um, also one that is emerging and exploring the future possibilities of the space domain. I might move now to get some final thoughts from you both on, on that. Yeah. Uh, any quick comments on that? Uh, just to say that I would commend the work that ASPE has been doing in this area in reporting on the breadth and the depth of Australia's space sector. Malcolm Davis's recent report, for example, or, or just looking at the blogs on The Strategist summarising this, you will be amazed at what is going on in Australia. There are yep. hundreds of yep. companies around Australia involved in a whole variety of groundbreaking work research happening in in extraordinary areas that will benefit the commercial sector, the civil sector. Some of these defence will take advantage of. Others are just much bigger than defence. They're going to be changing the world. It's a very exciting time for Australia. The Australian Space Agency, of course, is there making sure that there's a mechanism for the government to assist that discussion between states and territories um, across industry and internationally. And so we work very closely with them as well. It is a great time. There's one other thing in terms of collaboration that's important to know as well. And again, it's much bigger than defence, although we have an interest in it. And that is looking to ensure that that space environment is one that we all continue to enjoy. I'll I'll steal some words with the commander. She talks Mm -hmm. about often space being something that we can all look up to with wonder, that we can enjoy, that is a space for exploration and for opportunity. And in that, 
a particular interest that defence has ensuring is ensuring that the kinds of rules, regulations and norms that we have here on Earth are replicated in the space environment. That isn't the case at the moment, although there is a group of open countries, um, those that promote governance and, and rule of law, that are working very hard to ensure that we have responsible behaviour in space. Yep. So Australia, again, has been a, a foundation member of the Combined Space Operations Initiative, which is looking in particular at that. But we're also working very closely with other international partners through the United Nations and other multilateral fora to help ensure that everybody's voices are heard and that together we work out a way to use this extraordinary piece of the universe yeah. in a way that continues to improve our societies enable, Beck, you talked about you know, military commanders and others probably just being not, not even aware of all of the things that are space enabled from our navigating our way to, to a holiday destination, organising payment and um, purchasing things online, yeah. our, just our basic elements of life enabled by space. Yeah. I'm quite happy for that to be things that aren't at the forefront of people's minds as they go about their daily business. I'm very happy for military commanders to not have to think about that while they're prosecuting their operations and activities because we're involved in the background making sure that everybody has that access and yeah. that they continue to do so. Yeah, and you've, you've just highlighted how incredibly important it is that we keep it that way because you're absolutely right. We don't want people to go to that ATM and it not to work or GPS not to work or for our commanders on the battlefield to, to suddenly lose uh, those essential communications that they need to do their jobs. And thank you as well for illustrating just how vibrant and expansive and innovative our space industry is for very long you know it was it was generating its own momentum and and you know sort of supporting itself and the creation of the space agency has been recognized by the industry as a really important initiative and something that really helped bring them together this is a big country the space industry itself is quite dispersed so it's hard to achieve that critical mass to to get the outcomes that industry needs and the relationship between government and and it's not just defense or the space agency um, and industries is super super important now Air Vice Marshal, last word for you. <laughs> as you reflect on your time as uh, the inaugural Space Commander, again, just some perspectives on the future of the space domain. Uh, it is an exciting, critically important domain, but can we get your thoughts on, on where it's going and how important it is and what you want us to take away from your time in this role? I'll go back to being called the Space Commander is, is the best title <laughs> that I've ever had in my career. So um, being the Space Commander is, is a great place uh, place to be. Look, you know, moving forward, there is, there is a mass of opportunity. And I think I'll start just talking about Australian industry. You know, there is a global market for them. A lot of them, you know, I talk to Australian industry every day and there's some really exciting stuff that's going on and some great developments that they're doing, but there is a global market for them and they need to be going out and, and getting that. You know, we, we aren't the critical mass, I think, that they're looking at in yes. terms of being able to support Australian industry, but there's a great market for them. And the Australian Space Agency, you know, help them with that market. We will help them with that market as well. Yeah. So I think that, you know, looking at the industry that we have today and how uh, prosperous that can be, that is something that really excites me about the future. But the thing that I always come back to is about people. 
mm-hmm. and um, and inspiring people into future careers in space. That has been something that I've been very focused on. But I'm seeing us develop as a military so incredibly quickly. You know, 18 months from start to actually doing operations and exercises yep. and really bringing space to the fore. So from an operational point of view, from a capability point of view and from a people point of view, you can just see it growing at an exponential rate. And that is something that's really exciting. And I think, you know, for people to know, um, young people to know that they can have a career in space, in the military, but also in the civil sector, is just so inspiring for the future. And and with the work that we're doing that Jacinta talked about on responsible behaviours and, you know, the, the global order of things that we need to have in space, you know, the opportunities are just amazing in terms of making sure that for our children and our children's children, space is there mm-hmm. for them to explore and to have and to have as an inspiration moving forward. So I think that there's there's so much more to come. Um, there's much more to come in terms of how we have all these space professionals, in how we do our operations, in, in this innovative industry that's out there. You know, for Australia as a global market, I think, you know, the, the future is, is very bright, shining like a star, I could probably <laughs> say. And, um, and I'm really looking forward to, to seeing that develop and as quickly as it is. Yeah. You know, that's really exciting. It is fast-paced and what a wonderful positive note to finish on. There's just one thing I want to affirm. I, I say this all the time, but I think it can't be said enough. And you said it yourself, but it's what we need to do in this country is is not build an Australian space industry, but build a global space industry Absolutely. in Australia. Yeah. And pointing to that diversity and, and the importance of commercial and civil, Tim Parsons, who I'm sure you know, is a wonderful uh, space advocate and professional. But uh, he said something a couple of years ago that has really stuck with me, and that is Australia's greatest space company doesn't even know it's a space company yet. <laughs> I would agree with that. I have I have actually met a number of space mm. companies that didn't start space. Um, with space yeah. and, and now that's yeah. where they're focused, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah, fantastic. I'll just add on that, the, just that workforce point as well. Yeah. Our focus very firmly is on building this space professional workforce. Yeah. But you don't need to be an astronaut no. to be a space professional. Absolutely. So yeah. for anyone out there yeah. who's interested in having a career in space, it is there. It is available for you. We are right now building uh, a, pr- a pathway for service professionals, so members of the Australian Defence Force, to be part of a very broad church yeah. of space professionals to have a military career. We're also developing the same for Australian public servants. And as we have mentioned, we can't do this without our consultants, contractors and our friends in Australian and global space industry. So anything that you do, the planning that we're doing, the policy work we do, the workforce management, managing our finances, managing our projects, these are all people who are space professionals already within our organisation. And while... Again, as the commander said, for many of us thinking 20, 30 years ago, um, would we be working in space? It would seem unattainable, but it is now. Yeah. And Defence is certainly playing a very important and very exciting part in that. So look it up. We're out at every open day, you can imagine, mm-hmm. <laughs> recruiting and, of Good. course, online as well, if not for us, with us somewhere yeah. in this great industry. Great point. Great point. 
regret that that's all we have time to talk about today. I hope you'll think about coming back and talking to us again so we can do an, an update on this. We are trying to develop a, a cadence, if you like, of space uh, podcasts and, and attention. So we'd, we'd love to have you back. But today, thank you so much for your time, Air Vice Marshal Roberts and Jacinta Carroll, new into, into the position of Assistant Secretary Space Strategic Plans. And again, uh, really exciting to have our inaugural Space Commander here with us today. Thank you. Thanks, Beck. Thanks, Beck. It was an absolute pleasure to be with you. That's all we have time for this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon.